Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's turn back to the gospel lesson, Rich. If you noticed, it's in a a few different words in the Lord's Prayer there. And I just wanted to point out a couple of things about the gospel lesson. That I've got an extra text to go along with that. But several months ago, I was talking to Pastor Trinkline, and we decided that I should do a special series on, and I thought, well, I would like to do a special series on the Lord's Prayer. And what amazes me is I did not look up and see what the gospel lesson was for today, the last Sunday I'm here. I all of a sudden found out when I looked, this is the Lord's Prayer. And that's exactly where I ended up. That's how the Holy Spirit works. Isn't it amazing? That we picked out a series and we just went week by week and we came to the very end. And, and this is the gospel lesson for today. What I've been preaching on in all of these past weeks. And I think that's just a good example how God's timing is beyond my understanding. Now, why did I pick that? you know, year, months ago to have last day in with the Lord's Prayer. But it did, and it does. Also, go back down to the text I picked to go along with the Lord's Prayer here. There, I there it was. The text for today, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting, Then all the people said, Amen, and praised the Lord. Look where it's written. It's in the Old Testament. It's not just in the New Testament. This is something that's been going on, people saying, Amen, all down through the Old Testament time and all way to today. So it's been done for centuries. Now, I don't know if you noticed, it does not have... Bible reading did not have from the gospel the last part that doxology and a doxology is referring to the trinity it has a last part on there that we say for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever you won't find it next to the Lord's prayer and most people don't realize that Jesus didn't tell us to pray that last part that has been added. And let me just share a, a couple of uh, reasons why people down through the years have added that. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And by the way, if you are, have a Catholic background or have attended a Catholic church, when they say the Lord's Prayer, they do not say that. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory. Usually they do not include it. They do include the amen, but they don't include that last uh, doxology or last part, that conclusion. Now, turn to the uh, next one. This is what Luther is saying now in the catechism for the conclusion. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What does this mean? And Luther says, this means that I should be certain that these petitions are pleasing to our Father in heaven. 
the petitions, all the ones we just got through going through the last few weeks, okay, and are heard by him, for he himself has commanded us to pray him in his in this way and has promised to hear us. And then Luther continues to say, Amen, Amen, which means yes, yes, it shall be so. Now that's Luther's explanation of that little section. So how do we know then that in these petitions, which we are praying for help, in all of the petitions, the seven after our, you know, the introduction of our Father, we're saying, help, 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 help us in this particular way in those seven petitions. And we are shouting now at the end, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. You see that emphasis? That, and now, why did they do that? Why was that added by the early church? Well, it came about because it had been done by the Jewish faith down through the years again. And what had happened, and then this comes, uh, they, they used to say it after all the prayers of the, the, in the synagogues and so forth that the Jews went through. So they were normally using that at the end of prayers as part of their worship. They would just end a prayer and they say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. So it wasn't unusual. And so that was kept by the early church as after they prayed. Now, it wasn't just uh, done in uh, individual prayers as the Lord's Prayer was prayed individually as Jesus said you could do that, but especially in public worship is where the Jews came and and emphasized that. And so, for thine is the kingdom. What does that mean? That God in all of his kingdom, he has everything. Everything in his kingdom, including that Jesus is the king and that he next Thine is the power, the power to do and use anything he wants. And we had the power and the redeeming power of Jesus Christ would come through. And then on top of that, it was the glory and the majesty and glory of God was to be emphasized. And then the fourth thing that came about was forever and ever. Now, why did they put that in? Well, there was a group of people who said, they don't, uh, we don't believe in uh, a world after death. And so they wanted to emphasize the fact that forever and ever, the, that there is a place after death, that there is a resurrection. And so that whole emphasis was made by saying forever and ever. This is not just at the end of life here on earth that we, were, we have. the, And so thine is the glory. Thine is the power. Thine, you know, is the kingdom. And all those three, and it's going to last forever and ever. And that was to be emphasized at the end. of, And we kind of lost that emphasis. We kind of just say the Lord's Prayer. And then at the end, of course, comes 
Amen. And that was to be emphasized. And they were agreeing with what was just said. And that even carried over to other, other uh, things in the services. And people would say amen in the middle of a, a sermon, as you've uh, seen done in some churches uh, today. And what they were saying is, I can't preach, I can't teach, but I can agree with it. And so, amen, brother. Amen. And, and that's how the lay people participated in the worship then. So there should be joy and enthusiasm as, you know, as I lead in a prayer and you are supposed to say amen. Well, say amen and really believe it that God is going to uh, have that to become true. And so that whole emphasis of uh, that conclusion to it. Now, God answers prayer. And in one of the first services I was here, I preached on John 15. And John 15, it said, abide, abide. Remember the, uh, or I used the word remain, remain. This means the same. In John 15, in those first 10 verses, there were, it was said 10 times. Abide, 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 remain, remain, remain. And it means you're going to have Jesus in your presence, in your life. Never leave him and you want to have him. And if you do that, you are going to pray his will and to pray the Lord's Prayer and the petitions and ask for his help. And I can guarantee, if you do that, that he's going to answer And we kind of just slide over the Lord's Prayer and don't think about the meaning oftentimes of what is in and that impact that it can make for your life. So when you pray, you know, all the petitions, you know, and I think, our Father, I'm his child. Who art in heaven? He's present right here with me, beside me. Heaven is being with God. I'm going to heaven. Uh, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I have to keep his name holy. I want him to help me to keep that holiness. And so we go all the way through the petition and asking for help in our trespasses and our uh, daily needs. And, you know, just all of them have a special meaning. And when we, we do repeat it so often, it doesn't make much, you know, to our lives anymore. But what we want is for you to pray it sincerely. As, and I wish sometimes we wouldn't pray it so fast. But finally, uh, you, you pray it so fast that you'd end up uh, not really thinking about it. And I want you to think about what you're praying. And so maybe you should pray in slow motion you know, <laughs> so that you can think or something like that so that you can be emphasizing. But we need... It, it needs to be very practical as we l- live this out. One of the uh, emphasis that I as a vacancy pastor wanted to uh, have is that you don't follow the pastor, but you follow 
and become a follower of Jesus Christ as we talked about all the things that we've talked about in each and every sermon that we have had. Francis of Assisi says, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, preach it in words. So there was, there's two things there. It's a matter of being a Christian, not just doing, but being in your whole life. And that's what I wanted you to see in Alice and myself, that we are being the skin of Jesus. And that's who I want you to be also. But when necessary, I had to preach it in words too. And that's what he is saying there. And listen to what Ezra said in the Old Testament, in the book of Ezra. It says, Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statues and rules in Israel. Now, I don't know if you caught the order of things in that, that I just said. Let me repeat it again. Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord. The first thing he did was study the word. That's the order of things. So the first thing he did was try to know God's word the best he could. The second thing it says here, uh, and to do it. He was to live it out in his life. He didn't try to teach it. He thought, well, I got to know his word and then I got to live his word. And then it said, and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Did Again, catch the order in which those things happen. He was first studying, then he tried to live it out, and then he tried to teach it to other people. That's when the word becomes powerful, if you can live the word. And too often, uh, people who are trying to teach have skipped the living of it. They go from, boy, I have lots of knowledge, I've got to teach it. But first, to get the experience, and I think that's one thing that has helped us in my, I'm glad I got to be this age because I am now able to say, I live the word, and then I try, started teaching it. And that's so important for you to understand. Know the God's word, live God's word, and then you can pass on your legacy to the next generation. And they, we don't understand the value of older people. And sometimes young people ask questions of your older generation who, and sit at the feet and learn from their experiences. And that's the one thing that the God has given Alice and myself and I tried to share those experiences so that you could learn from them as uh, best as we could share them. As you know, one of the emphasis that I made, and I've already said it, is that emphasis of prayer. We did everything possible to teach you about prayer while we were here. The last nine weeks or so we did but when also in our Bible classes that we spent a lot of time teaching about prayer and again 
I don't think that the greatest prayer warrior still understands the power of prayer. It is overwhelming to me that God has opened the gift of prayer to us. The problem with many Christians, I think, is that they don't unwrap their gift and apply it to their lives. You, You know... We all have the gift of him giving. You can pray to me. You can ask me. You can, you can talk to me. You can, you know, that, that personal connection. And we don't do it. Now, I'm, again, I, I'm guilty of these things myself. I'm not just pointing fingers. I'm not trying to make you guilty. I want you to see the possibilities that he guarantees if you pray within his will, he is going to answer it. <clears throat> he promises that over and over. Ask and seek <clears throat> and knock. And he's going to be there to answer your prayers if it's within the boundaries of Scripture. That's so important that you can't pray for something that he wouldn't want to happen. <clears throat> so, Prayer fits everything in your life, every emotion. So before you panic, pray. Before you cry, pray. Before whatever situation it is, you start with prayer. God is the solution. Now, after you have prayed, you have lots of options. I mean, you do want to go to the doctor if you're sick. But before you go to the doctor, pray. And God will bless the doctor. And I'm just saying, I'm emphasizing that communication, that conversation that goes on. But one of the problems is we don't turn around and listen. We just ask for our needs. But there's also adoration and thanksgiving and confession that goes along with prayers. So we pray. And on top of that, You don't just pray, again, for your own needs. You pray for the world. You pray for other co-workers. You pray for your family. And specifically. And that's what I was trying to get across. And all of these conversations that we have with God, we want very much to have an opportunity to apply the prayer that he wants you to apply in your life. With that... We ask very much that you remember a couple of things. One is that I tried to preach during the last weeks the law and the gospel. And when I say that, I'm talking about repentance. Repent, repent, repent. That's the law that I wanted to get across. The gospel is that we want to have faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's the joy and the hope that we have. And we look forward to that. And we're sad that we're leaving. There's a sadness when you develop a relationship and then say, well, it's come to an end. And so we have a sadness, my wife and I. But on the other hand, I know that you're in good hands. And when I say that, I'm talking about God's hands. Now, he's going to work 
through Pastor Trinkline, who's going to preach the next few weeks. And then he's going to work through Pastor Carl Hansen as he takes on the duties and responsibilities of this congregation. You are in good hands. And they will, too, also preach the law and the gospel. So my challenge to you, and by the way, I should say this, besides pastors, you got good leaders. And I'm thankful for their lifting up my arms as uh, leaders of the congregation. And, uh, you know, uh, Joel and Kathy, and I can mention all the ones down the line, and Rich. I was always happy to see Rich every Sunday morning. To, to be here. Do you realize that he hasn't missed a service for 10 years? I don't think you understand. And we just, I was just so pleased. So when I saw him, I knew everything was going to go okay with the, the PowerPoint and so forth. And what a joy it is. So you're in, you know, and I could mention other people too, and I don't want to skip anybody, but we don't, you know, each one of you have, I can go around the room and I can say, okay, you've done this and you've prayed for me and you've, you, you know, I didn't get to know you personally as much as I would like, but what a joy it is that we can walk away and say this congregation it has some good leaders and good people and we want it to continue. My suggestion, on the other hand, is to take ownership now. Take ownership of this congregation. That means in several ways. One is use your talents for the congregation. Two is the treasures. We're going backwards and what it's used to be. And we're spending more than we're taking in. So somewhere along the line, we're going to have to solve that problem. And, and time. You got work days and so forth. So I'm saying... Take ownership by using your time and talents and treasures for this congregation, and you will not regret it. God will continue to bless this. It's got a great history over the last 50, 60 years. So we pray that this congregation can be a positive influence for English-speaking services for years to come. And we just challenge you then to, with me, with joy and enthusiasm, let's say a final amen. One, all together, amen. All right. We rise.